Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown Golden Knights. VGK unloads more than $12.5 million in cap space during the offseason in trade dump salaries. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco, along with Chris Golick from Las Vegas. You could find us on YouTube and on Twitter at Lockdown VGK. Myself on Twitter at Tony Dasco. He is at TD Chris G. And Chris, there was a Sportsnet story that came out late last week that has a closer look at all of the poor deals that VGK has made under McPhee and McCrimmon and uh, where the Golden Knights got nothing in return for deals like Cody Eakin to Paul Stasny, Nate Schmidt, uh, to Marc-Andre Fleury, to even the most recent Max Pacioretty deal. Nothing in return. A series of bad moves that are adding up, you have to believe, for the front office of VGK. Yeah, um, it's you can't sugarcoat that. You cannot simply ignore what's happening. There's two approaches that I personally will take to that. Uh, I think the second approach, which is probably the more important approach, but this is the second way I'm going to look at this. What will things look like? two, three, and four years from now. VGK built a veteran team for season five. That was by far the best team that we had on paper. Our best shot, simply if you're going to look at the paper roster, to win a Stanley Cup in VGK's first five seasons. Unfortunately, that veteran roster suffered enormous injuries and enormous bad luck with their injuries. Yes, it's an older roster and injuries will happen to older players, but we can also concede that there was bad luck on top of that. Yeah. The other way I'll look at this is let's talk about the results of the first five seasons here. Season one, Stanley Cup run. We lose, obviously, 4-1. Season two, we are eliminated from the playoffs to bad coaching, in my opinion. We're up three to one in that shark series, folks. We are up three to one in that series against the sharks. McCrimmon was not on the bench coaching that team. McCrimmon was not on the bench as the San Jose Sharks scored all those power play goals during that not a major circumstance. Kelly McCrimmon was not the one who didn't call a timeout. Seasons three and four, we get within three games of the Stanley Cup final. And then season five, back to the injuries. So, Yes, all these roster questions that we have are fair. And I think at some points we are going to pay dearly for that. Not yet, but I think at some points. On the other side, though, we've had salary cap constraints since series, since, uh, since the first season. Pardon me. It's still early. I'm still waking up. We've had salary cap constraints since the first season. We have navigated that. So maybe McCrimmon we'll be able to navigate this and find ways to put competitive teams on the ice season six and beyond. Okay. What about the long-term sustainability of George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon? That's what this is all boiling down to. 
And then by getting nothing in return, uh, this team, I think, has a lack of talent, comparatively speaking, to a lot of teams that really made wholesale improvements during the offseason. No, and that cannot be argued at all. And that's why I wanted to frame my previous argument the way I did. I think rougher days are ahead. I think troubled waters are ahead. I don't think it's ahead yet. We are still going to have a very competitive team. There's going to be cap aspirations, whether on paper, uh, cup aspirations, not cap aspirations, all the cap aspirations. We should, we should copyright that one. I think that'd be a fun one to hold on to for a little while. But this team will have cup aspirations. Do they have the roster to make that type of a run? I don't know. Um, this is really where I want to see what Bruce Cassidy is made of. This is where Cassidy is going to have to find ways to get better chemistry than DeBoer had with the team. Going to have to find ways to utilize that talent that's on the roster with uh, a new level of creativity. We have a very good roster. This is not a bad team by any means. This is not what should be a bubble fringe playoff team by any means. Injuries, age withstanding, of course. So, yes, rougher days, I think, are ahead based on the trades that have been made. I mean, you just look at the Max Pacioretty tree and what got us there. It starts with, I believe, a first and a second and a third for Tomas Tartar's Tatar season one. And now to be fair, of all the trades that they've made, that's the one I don't mind. That's the trade I don't mind. And I'll explain that right now. VGK was a cup contender and they realized that prior to the deadline. So they took a shot. They made a big, big splash on a player at the time was supposed to possibly put us over the hump. If that's the only splashy weird trade that they made since now, I'm okay. They took a shot. They took a shot. They swung. They missed. But then they stacked up their they, – they, they doubled down on their losses, which we do quite often here in Las Vegas, of course. And they flipped to, they flipped to Tar Suzuki, another draft pick for Pacioretty, who was ultimately flipped for nothing. So first, second, third, second, Tomas Tatar, Max Pacioretty in season six equals, equates to nothing. That is a concern. Yeah, these salary dumps are just becoming a big issue with this team. And again, uh, with all of the salary cap constraints that this team has, and then you couple that in the Sportsnet story, uh, something obviously that we have been tracking for a while, VGK, it's not going to get much better, folks. And I'm just concerned about the future of this franchise. And it is win now, I believe, for the VGK. The Golden Knights, $37 million, Chris, allocated for salaries through 2027. So that is uh, almost more uh, almost half of your current salary uh, cap that this uh, this franchise has. It is of a major concern. 100%, 100% and that's why I'm trying to walk the I'm trying to middle myself in my argument. To date, we've managed it. To date, the team has had success along with a season with incredibly bad luck. Now, as these players get older, as that 30, $37 million or 27? $37 okay. million. As that $37 million continues to age, will the luck get worse? Or will we need more good luck for good things to happen? And, and that's an argument. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the one that tries to level us out a little bit, Tony. I, I try to keep a, an optimistic outlook here. And, you know, you definitely come through with a very um, a very fair and honest perspective. And somewhere we have a synergy and 50,000 downloads later, we're still here. So that's <laughs> awesome. 
Um, but I am certainly concerned with the long-term outlook as these players continue to age. And that $37 million, so that's what, Petrangelo, Stone, Eichel, I mean, that's a lot of it right there. Carlson. That's a lot of it right there. Carlson is in there too. You know, Carlson might be the best player in 2027 of that group. <laughs> well, that's pretty sad. That's going to be a rough run there if they don't get it done now. And then yes. that has to put a lot more pressure on this organization to win now. And I could just feel more pressure, especially with articles like this from Sportsnet coming down on the front office of VGK. I guess a question that I would like to ask one day if I ever had the opportunity is, why is there pressure? After season number one, you know, let's just say they didn't do the patch ready deal. Let's say they didn't kind of start transitioning to that veteran routes. Let's just assume that doesn't happen. Exactly. Let's just say they kept business as usual with that unsustainable roster. If VGK would have flopped season two, not made the playoffs and been out of the playoff race by February, would any of the fans cared? Would it have mattered? Would less people have gone in season three? My answer is no. I mean, I don't think everyone's going to hold on to the fact, listen, folks, we were in the Stanley Cup season one. We had the best expansion team ever. So season two, things didn't go our way. And then during that process, that becomes our accumulation period of draft picks down the road, um, maybe younger prospects. And that kind of gets us kind of back on that expansion path, which, you know, look at Seattle right now. Look what Seattle is doing. Season one, they just hung out, right? They had a you know a rough season. They had the season that VGK would have expected to have. Uh, they unloaded some of their talent throughout the season uh, that they got in the expansion draft. And then it seems like they're not, they're still being patient, but they're making moves now. They're acquiring young talents. They did well in the draft, obviously. And they're acquiring more players to um, round out their roster. And I mean, they could even be a fringe playoff team this season. And next season, they could be, you know, penciled in for one of those top three spots in the Pacific. And in hindsight, I kind of wish that throughout VGK would have taken. And I think we mentioned this uh, maybe two, three, four weeks ago in the show. I wonder what the path would have been after season one, if they would have just kind of pumped the brakes a little bit and focused a little more on the future. Yeah. And what they should have done, I they must have thought that this was a flash in the pan team. And I'm talking about again, unsustainability. Right. They had to think that they were just not as good as, as what was shown on the ice, but man, I don't know that I would have made changes after that. Ride that out, you know, for an expansion team to make it to the cup final in season number one, that says a lot about the organization, uh, who they drafted, uh, who they went after, Marc-Andre Fleury, they rode him, they rode the misfit line and all of that. But I don't know where they came up with the unsustainability of that first-year team. They should have just stuck with that roster, I felt, and rode it as far as they could. If they were okay with that season one roster failing, why were they afraid to let that same roster succeed in season two? Big question. Big question. Uh, Don't forget that we are on the airwaves now just three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday right here on Lockdown Golden Knights. Coming up next, Nazem Kadri, still a free agent. He's out there. He's the number one free agent on the market in the Western Conference. Back with more after this. You are listening to Lockdown Vegas Golden Knights. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds for lines and games. Find reviews and news for every single league, including the NHL, of course, Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the number one online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in game betting scores and podcasts. They have you covered across the board. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device uh, to learn a lot more about all the action that is happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick here in Las Vegas. And you could find us each and every day wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen. And Chris has been uh, toying a lot with our YouTube channel. And Chris, thank you so much for doing that. Toying is a good word. <laughs> yeah, because I am a uh, a no paparazzi sort of guy. So in any event, <laughs> we, uh, we're we here each and every uh, now just three times a week. But you could find us, obviously, now on our YouTube channel. And uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about today was uh, Nazim Kadri. Still a free agent, no takers, and from what we've heard, he could be asking for perhaps too much money in the market for around $10 million. Biggest question that I have is, could this 87-point scorer become a Calgary flame? Um, Calgary, I think, is a reasonable landing spot. I'm just, don't mind me, folks. I'm looking down on cap friendly right now as we kind of talk our way through this, and I'm looking at teams that are, potential Stanley Cup competitors, or at least better teams, because I think Kadri wants to go somewhere who has a shot to win. I don't think Kadri wants to be a part of a full-on rebuild, which is why Calgary could be a bit scary. But, I mean, if Kadri winds up replacing Kachuk and um, the, 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 the Huberdo winds up replacing uh, Goudreau, you know, then all of a sudden, or Kachuk, then you got you kind of got something going on right there. I, I might have said that wrong, but you all – are following what I'm saying. I think we understand. Um, Ottawa could be a landing spot. They got about $10 million and Ottawa is on the downward slope, if you will, of the rebuild based on the moves that they made in the off season. A lot of talk about the Islanders from, from what I remember early on. And that's why radio is silent right now. They got about $11 million in projected cap space, probably a couple looming deals, but you know, I, I think the biggest thing right now isn't about the cap space that teams have available. I think this is simply coming down to money. I think Kadri wants a lot of it. And I think teams are, there is a Regency bias. Yes, he he's a Stanley Cup winner now. And he wanted to let the entire hockey world know. He wanted to make that selfish claim. Hey, I'm not a liability. Okay, fine. You did it once. Good for you. Good job. But do they want him as their leader? I mean, $10 million for Kadri, just, just stop it right there. That That's just absolutely ridiculous. $8 million for Kadri. Okay, maybe, you know, but I got a feeling a lot of the offers are probably coming in the six and a half to seven range and maybe with a longer term than he would want. Um, he might be looking for maybe, I mean, do you take a two-year bridge deal at eight, $9 million per? Is the team going to take that type of chance on him? I don't look at Kadri as that player. I don't look at Kadri as my anchor. I don't look at Kadri as the one I'm going to put on the, on the walls around my arena and say, Hey, come see Nazim Kadri. This is going to be an amazing year. That, that's not who he is folks. That's not who he is. He's, he's a great player. He had a good year. He's finally connected the dots in Colorado. Um, 
can he now be that person who is going to lead a bunch of players? And they're going to look at him at his history and his suspensions in the playoffs and the regular season and the, the goofy stuff he's been up to. And I just don't look at that. I don't see Kadri as that type of player. I think he's going to have to settle for, you know, a midterm contract, like three-ish, four years. And I really think probably the numbers are six, five, and seven that are probably coming in. And he's working the phones right now, trying to figure things out. And I mean, just again, just kind of going through cap friendly. I mean, I'll go through all the teams real fast. No Arizona, no Buffalo. I mean, maybe Buffalo, I guess, the way they're building back up right now. Um, they got the, they got more than enough cap space. Dallas, I mean, Dallas could be a landing spot. They're showing about $10 million, and that is a fringe-ish team as far as, you know, possibly being ready to make a deep run. We hit on the Islanders. We hit on the Senators. Chicago, no. Detroit still has some room available, and that could be interesting. Uh, Detroit is obviously building well. And I'm just going to go kind of fast here. Um, Rangers, I don't think your Rangers are going to do that, Tony. They're up against it, and they have aspirations of Patrick Kane, obviously. Uh, the Wild are up against Carolina's made some deals. No Seattle, San Jose, whatever to that. I thought the Kings might be a potential spot, but the Kings are right up against the cap now. The Kings just became a cap team with their offseason moves. Uh, Montreal, wow, what a dumpster fire Montreal is. They only got 250K in salary cap space available. And this, though, wow. Montreal did it wrong, folks. Montreal just did what Vegas did. They make that run to the Stanley Cup final. They beat Vegas in the process, unfortunately. They make all sorts of deals to try and continue that. And Montreal, at least Vegas has a roster, folks. Vegas has a solid roster. Montreal, on the other hand, we're, we're going to see what happens up there. Um, Flyers, they're negative right now. Columbus, they're right up against it. Vancouver's got work to do. Edmonton, no way. Caps, no way. I mean, there's so many teams looking at it. Tampa, minus 7 million. Can you see that, folks? Tampa, wow. minus 7 million. <laughs> someone's going to be someone's it's about get some to PTO implode. there. Yeah, it's about to implode in Tampa. And, you know, the one reason why I mentioned Kadri uh, going to Calgary was because in 2019, he shot down a deal. I'm always concerned about a player who's about in that 60-point range and then explodes in, in a salary year where, you know, they go into free agency and he scores 87, right? William you know? Carlson. Yeah, William Carlson right there. I didn't say six, From 6 to 43. I'm telling you. That was a great photo bomb at his wedding, by the way. And uh, the Islanders. The Islanders, you talked about them. $11 million in cap space. They could easily uh, part with uh, Semon uh, Varlamov, who we talked about a lot, uh, perhaps on that free agent market or has, has – trade value and i thought he'd be a good fit as a number two here in las vegas perhaps behind your man logan thompson and then uh anthony uh bavillier too um four million dollars and they could easily uh make a trade you know with those two players good assets uh you know for the islanders to obtain a nazim Kadri. and the other thing too the chemistry with uh, his team his uh, colorado avalanche team that won the cup and you can't, like, you don't know how he's going to fit in in other markets because this team's been playing together for a while. Really good fit, right? Yeah, and great leadership, great coaching, great leadership from the front office with Joe Sackick. So it is a perfect situation to keep someone like that in control. Um, I think Detroit would have that type of 
locker room. Islanders with a new coach in a weird situation with Trotz leaving, that could just spell total disaster. Um, just going back over some of the spots that could possibly take a shot. Um, you know, the Flames seem to maybe be the chalk. Because, I mean, listen, the selling point, we lost Kachuk, we lost Goudreau. Now we got Huberto. Now we got Kadri. We're business as usual, folks. Oh, by the way, we also have some more draft picks and prospects to work with. So, you know, Calgary, if they make that move, if they're willing to make that move, that is, Calgary could become sneaky competitive again. They still got Daryl Sutter, which in my opinion, if if he's not the best coach, he's a top three coach in the entire league. And Daryl Sutter, with or without Kadri, they're gonna, he's going to make that team. He's going to get the most out of that team. He's going to get the most and above out of that team. Nazim Kadri could be a good fit because Daryl Sutter will find a way to keep him in control and have him be productive. Coming up next, we'll talk about VGK's road trip this upcoming summer. But more after this, you're listening to Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. And again, a reminder, we are on now just Monday, Wednesday, and Friday because Chris has to get his uh, tanning in for the remainder of this summer, right, for the next seven weeks. But we're still going to bring you the best content available uh, to us and uh, talk about everything going on with VGK. Chris and I were just talking the other day about all the content that we've had for the past few weeks. Uh, while other, a lot of other markets might have struggled, you know, to pull content, a lot has been happening here in Las Vegas and behind the scenes with VGK. So we'll keep you updated as much as possible. And thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. And now on YouTube, Chris has everything. Solid. I was just, uh, yeah, I was just changing my tanning lights right there, folks. If you didn't see, uh, my right <laughs> side was getting a little too hit here. So I got a Chris doing it from the this. tanning bed today. Got to change the, yeah, there you go. Okay. That, that's better light. That's better light. Okay. So, so the good old VGK caravan is back. That returns. Uh, with at least one new stop. It starts on August the 15th as they put uh, players on a bus, goes round and round. They go off to uh, all these various cities. It's a great thing. They're all AT&T Sports Network markets, so there is a lot of visibility and a lot more that VGK can gain uh, by going on the road. They do clinics. I think it's a really good thing. Uh, Chance the Raptor is also there. Uh, The bus will be traveling to South Lake Tahoe, then to Boise, uh, Missoula, uh, and then Salt Lake City. There's Boise in there, too. I forgot Boise. Don't forget Boise. Okay, so there's a lot of good stops uh, on this caravan, and I think it does a lot um, in the area of goodwill and also getting further reach for the VGK franchise. Growing up uh, outside of Chicago, obviously all you hear about is the Cubs, and the Cubs became you know one of the most notable teams because – of the games being on WGN, you know, across the country for that matter. And VGK maybe in a much smaller form in a much more localized area kind of has that same thing going on. Cause you said all, all AT&T sports markets. So they're going to South Lake Tahoe, which they're still competing with the sharks up there, but otherwise, I mean, Boise, Missoula, and, you know, Salt Lake city, there's not much hockey around there. So, you know, VGK, this, you know, here's the map of the country and stuff like that. VGK has this little slice right here in the AT&T market where, you know, VGK is all the hockey that that that, that they're going to see. And now with uh, VGK rolling into town, Tony, as you would say, 
with VGK rolling into town, doing some goodwill players out there uh, shaking hands and kissing babies. And I'm sure they put, I think I'm, I'm assuming they do like the little, um, like they do out here, like the little setups where they play hockey for a few hours and stuff like that. And it, it's just fun, right? It's just fun seeing something like that in some of these markets that don't see a whole lot of hockey. Well, South Lake Tahoe, you know, had some love obviously recently, but otherwise, how much hockey is in Boise, Missoula, and Salt Lake City? I mean, I know we do some preseason games in Salt Lake and such, so this is an extension of that, if you will. And, you know, it's, it's just good to see. It's fun. And it's stuff like this that, you know, helps get new markets off the ground. And stuff like this, you know, that in its grassroots form can one day help lead to building a franchise one day in one of these cities. You never know, right? And that more of more popularity has to be the VGK alumni bus with everyone from Mark Andre Fleury to Ryan Reeves. You get it. Shipachov, Shipachov, never forget. <laughs> Could you imagine an alumni bus rolling through cities? It would be bedlam. It'd be like the Beatles, I think, with the popularity of those former players. Nate Schmidt, come on. We, we, uh, we just need a picture on Las Vegas Boulevard <laughs> of them crossing the street together. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, again, meet and greets and clinics. It's great for the kids, too, in those markets. Yeah, no doubt. Certainly a good thing to see. And, you know, you look at locally how VGK has grown internally here. I mean, we can talk all we want about the rosters and our opinions on that. But VGK is great for the community, folks. Uh, you look at what's I, I live eight minutes away from Water Street and uh, here in, in, in Henderson, if you don't know where Water Street is by now, Vegas locals. But here in downtown Henderson, Water Street, when we first moved to town, I don't know, I want to say 2008, me and my wife, we took a trip down and we hit all three of the casinos and walked around a little bit. And, and Water Street, it's it's a little more relaxed compared to this trip in Fremont Street down in downtown Vegas. It's not necessarily a place that's happening, but it had activity. It had action. The casinos had table games for a long time. Um, and then I want to say 2014, 2015, we decided to take another trip down there because we had a nice time, right? We had a fun time and the casinos were just absolutely dead. There was no action. All the table games were gone. Um, you know, you had your pick of the slot machines because no one else was going to be in there and all the restaurants and bars were either, either closed early or just closed down. Now you fast forward. I still remember the day Derek England shot the puck through the old town hall to announce the opening of, uh, or the, you know, the groundbreaking of lifeguard arena. And since Lifeguard Arena has gone up, the area in downtown Henderson on Water Street is absolutely exploded. If you haven't been down here, folks, in you know three years or less, you need to take a trip down here. Hit up Flaming Fajitas, get an awesome dinner. There's tons of bars all the way up and down if you like doing the bar crawl thing and things like that. Uh, biscuits and bourbon, you want to get some good barbecue and enjoy a nice old fashioned. Come down to Lifeguard Arena. There's two sheets of ice right now, one sheet of ice. The other sheet is actually turf as they're trying some experiments with some, some soccer and lacrosse, which might possibly lead to a third arena down the road that might have two sheets of ice with the turf somewhere in Henderson is what I'm or Interesting. Like down, down St. Rose is kind of the vibe that I'm getting, but that's obviously, a, you know, we're, we're years away from that coming to fruition possibly. But, you know, back to all this and how all this kind of comes together, it's all about growing the sport and, you know, in, in the, the case of downtown Henderson, growing the community. So BGK has done a great job with that, and that can never be taken away. And I think it's going to continue to happen for a long, long time as VGK's popularity increases. A Chamber of Commerce moment for Chris Golick right there, folks. 
And uh, are you going shopping today for all of this uh, VGK battle-worn authentics equipment that will be on sale uh, this afternoon from 3 to 6 p.m. at City National Arena? Um, Maybe. I'm going to be working in my personal business from like noon to about 2 or 3 o'clock today. A hard day I got, folks. Two hours of work coming up. It was harder to wake up for this than to do my business work later on. But um, so I, I went to one of these in downtown Henderson, again, plugged for Water Street, of course, right outside of Lifeguard Arena. And that happened. It was post-COVID, I think, coming into the bubble playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. And it was amazing. Uh, you could buy used hockey sticks, game used or player used sticks for like 100 bucks. But there was gloves, shin pads, skates an amazing selection of stuff out there and it's definitely worth going to folks it's definitely worth going to it's not going to be a cheap day at the office by any means if you're going down there you could nuke off four or five hundred bucks a thousand bucks with a snap of a finger if that's what you're looking to do if not it's still cool to see everything that they have it's uh, interesting to see all that game used stuff all the names out there you're not going to just see uh names from the you know from the current season but there's going to be stuff all the way back to season one with the inaugural season stamp on it, which is pretty cool. Um, I picked up a Colin Miller uh, season one stick uh, when I did one of the mystery grabs over at City National. And it's just cool to have stuff like that. It's cool to have stuff like that and, you know, easy to find stuff before it winds up on eBay because there are a lot of people that are going to buy this stuff there. And, you know, they're going to spend four or five thousand and then they're going to take it to eBay the second they get home. And you know, so there's a good chance to save some money if you go there. If you're a season ticket holder, I think you save a few bucks as well. So go there and check it out. And it's it's just fun to see it all. Are we also going to have uh, maybe perhaps on sale that um, Robin Leonard face mask that was dented by Ovechkin? I mean, it, it would go for that? about 10000 if it is. <laughs> that's that's usually the going rate for those. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so... That's coming up uh, today. And then in future shows, too, uh, Chris is really big in the card collecting business. And who, just a little tease here while we're just freelancing a little bit, who might be the most popular uh, VGK trading card right now? The most popular VGK trading card right now. I mean, sorry even to though he's not here spot. anymore. Well, no, no, you're, no, you're, you're, you're good, Tony. Uh, I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury still trades extremely well for obvious reasons. Um, I'm actually selling a bunch of his cards in about three hours on my show. Um, plug for Silver State hits on whatnot, folks, I guess, before we keep on going here. Um, Tony took me down that path, so I'll, I'll gladly oblige there. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury still trades extremely well, obviously. Uh, as far as current players, we still haven't seen a Jack Eichel card yet in a Vegas Golden Knights uniform. That'll be coming out probably with next season's cards, I want to say. Um, we'll have to wait and see about that. Um, as far as a current VGK, Logan Thompson in Upper Deck Series 1, that's a good grab right now for obvious reasons. About how um, much? What's that? What's the value on something like um, that? A, a Logan Thompson Young Guns card is probably only a $15 to $18 card at the moment. If you get that graded, now you're talking it could be anywhere from $150 to $200 card if it comes back as a PSA 10 gem mints. Um, or if you get one of the variations, like there's a real quick walk down how hockey cards work. They stamp cards a lot of the times, a lot of times now with numbers on them. Pardon me while I actually reach for something here. So they stamp them with numbers that say, okay, here's a cool card right here. Cody Glass. I spent so much money on this guy. But folks, if you can see, 
Um, probably about 75% more than I should have. This card's probably like a $50 card here, but in real small letters, right where my pinky is, it says 10 out of 25. I have no idea if you can see that well or not, folks. So basically, there's only 25 of these cards out there. And there's cards that, like like this right here, here's a Nick Haig Young Guns card. There you go, to get the lighting out of there. Yeah, nice, there's no nice. stamp or anything on this card. This is a very common card that's out there. It's only probably a $5 card or something like that. But if you pull a, a version of that Nick Haig card that says like 10 out of 10, uh, it's called a high gloss, a high gloss card, high gloss exclusives. Now you're talking, you know, a potential lower four level, four figure card based on the fact that he is, uh, you know, he is um, up and coming, so to speak. So I think we'll definitely do a show where, you know, I'll just open a box of cards or something like that. Tony can ask me questions. I can narrate it and kind of do one of my little breaks. And uh, yeah, that'll be a good, uh, a good filler. The lighting there in that room is much better than the selfie area in the restroom at Excess Nightclub. It's very good, I might add. <laughs> I got lights everywhere in here. I got TVs. <laughs> I, when I run my shows, I literally have one, two, three, four. I have five monitors in front of me and usually three different mobile devices that I'm running my shows off of. It's fun. It's awesome. Mayhem. It's mayhem. Great job. We appreciate it, obviously, and all the hard work, uh, honestly, uh, going into the YouTube show. And don't forget, we'll return again on Friday, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays here for the next few weeks. We get a little bit of a break heading into the big season, and we'll continue with some great content. Thanks so much, Chris. And thank you all for making us your first listen each and every day. I'm Tony Cardasco, along with my man, Chris Golick. We'll see you again next time right here on Friday, right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Take care.